Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Hope Elam. Hey, let's give God praise for all the kids that we have here this morning that are headed out. Praise God. Good morning. Good morning. I love the sound of a good stampede on a Sunday morning. Uh, That's awesome. I love it. So many kids. God continues to grow that ministry, and we're so thankful for everyone that is a part of that as they're passing on the faith. Uh, Hope Elam, man, I love you. You're an incredible church, and uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, uh, I love being a part of an imperfect church. Uh, if, if we were perfect, that would be boring. Uh, and so it's all right uh, to come just as you are, and uh, if this is your first time here especially, or maybe you're wondering kind of what church kind of church we're about, uh, we're a little messy. Uh, It's a little messy in here, uh, but we're on our way. We're growing. We're changing. Uh, uh, Turn to your neighbor right now and just tell them I'm a little messy, just in case they don't know. I'm I'm a little messy. That's all right. That's all right. You're among friends. You're among friends. We'll, We'll get there. Hey, it's good to have a full house this morning. It's good to see uh, all of you. And uh, I remember the days of COVID and the pandemic and standing up here and looking out and there was like 12 of you here. Yeah, exactly. There was about 12 of you here. So it's really good to see you and and, uh, new faces, old faces uh, as well. You always make a way is what we just sang. He always makes a way. Jesus always makes a way. Amen. He makes a way. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is that, yes, Jesus has absolutely made a way. Jesus has parted the Red Sea. Jesus has cleared out obstacles from our way. Jesus has died and risen again so that you could experience a new and everlasting life. Jesus has made a way. The question is, are you going to walk in it? Because Jesus can make a way. The question is, are you going to follow that way? In other words, which way are you headed today? I I just, I don't know why this popped into my head, but this is the way that my crazy mind thinks. Any Lenny Kravitz fans out there? Okay, you can admit it. It's okay. Okay. I was going to say another great worship leader, Lenny Kravitz, uh, writing this. uh, And maybe you're familiar with this song. uh, Maybe you're not. But what does he say, right? What I really want to know is, are you going to go my way? And now I will perform that for you. No, I'm not going to do that. I need Jed on the guitar. uh, No, you don't. You don't want to hear that. This question, actually, if you dig into uh, Lenny Kravitz's story a little bit, is kind of at the the center of his spiritual journey as well as he's searching for Christ in a lot of different ways in his life. And he writes this song, essentially, he said, from the perspective of Jesus speaking to him. You got a lot of options in your life. You got a lot of ways that you could choose to go. Jesus has made the way, but are you going to follow his way? What I really want to know is, are you going to follow my way? And I don't know why, but whenever I see this middle aisle. I just think it's like a road that brings people here as people come to the lighthouse of Hope Elam. And I always just think about you, you, you come down the road and maybe you went upstairs or whatever and you, you come down the road and then there's like a fork in the road. 
And I don't think it's any coincidence that in our lives, there are some defining moments, but also every single day, we got to choose, are we going to go his way or our way? Amen? Like when you come up, you got to go to the left or you got to go to the right. You got to choose a way to go. Are you going to go my way, Jesus asked. Are you going to choose your way and your priorities and your agenda? Are you going to go the way of Jesus? And this is just a popular lyric from a song. This is right out of God's word. It's no coincidence that the early Christians, believe it or not, the word Christian is only used in the Bible three times. And it's not necessarily positive. It was actually kind of a derogatory term there for a while before Christians just said, yeah, that's who we are. Christians literally means little Christ. And they kind of adopted it. And we are little Christ. We're representing him. We're not Jesus, but we represent him. But long before they were called Christians, followers of Jesus were actually called followers of the way. Hodas is how you say that in the Greek. Everybody say hodas. And essentially means the way or the path or a road. is like an actual illustration of following Jesus is following the way. And somehow, over hundreds and thousands of years, we got it misconstrued that being a follower of Jesus somehow is just agreeing to a new set of principles or ideas. That somehow I'm just traveling along in my life and I'm not actually going to change direction. I'm not actually going to follow Jesus every single day. I'm just going to kind of have some new ideas to consider, but I'm going to continue to do my own thing. And Jesus asks you today, are you going to go my way? Are you going to follow me? It is one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know him. And we do that imperfectly. It's not like we all make the right choices every single day, but we're constantly growing and changing. We've established that this morning. We're not a perfect church, but we're on the way. If you're on the way, turn to your neighbor, your other neighbor, and say, I'm on the way. Tell them that right now. I'm on the way. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm on the way. Today, we are continuing a new series called 10 for 10. And we've been diving into these 10 big goals that we have at this entire church at all of our campuses for these 10 years, from 2020 to 2030. And today, what we're tackling, it's hard to read. There are a little uh, faint font uh, up there as well. But today, we're going to talk about being faith builders, about being disciples or followers of the way, followers of Jesus. And we're going to talk about being intergenerational. What does it look like to have a faith ourselves first and then to pass that to the next generation? What does it look like to be disciples who make disciples? What does it look like to be followers of the way that show others the way? And so here's what I want to challenge you with today. If there was two things that I could leave you with, it's just ruminating in your head as you drive home today or wherever you came from. Number one, it's this. Follow the way. And number two, then you give it away. Follow the way, and then you give it away. What does a life following Jesus look like? You follow him, you follow the way every single day, and then you give it away. And here's why those are two sides of the, the same coin. It's peanut butter and jelly. I mean, they go together. You can't have one without the other. And here's why. Because you can only give people what you have. You can only lead people where you're going. And finally, you can only reproduce who you are. I'm not talking about having children. I'm talking about faith. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about passing on the faith to future generations. You reproduce who you are, not who you pretend to be on Instagram. 
Not the image that you want to project the world. Not, not what you say when people come up to you in the lobby at church and say, how are you? And you say that naughty four-letter word, fine. If you are, that's fine. But you're probably not fine, and I'm not fine, and it's okay to not be okay. To be disciples who make disciples. To follow the way and then to give it away. Do you want to have something to off, like really genuine to offer your children? Do you really want to leave a legacy, grandparents, family members? Do you really want to have something to offer to your brothers and sisters in Christ here at the church? Do you want to have something to offer your friends? Do you want to have something to offer those that you lead if you're a leader at work or your coworkers? Do you really want to have something to offer? Look in the mirror. There are some sermons I know that are really easy to hear, and you're like listening to it, and it goes in one ear and out the other and right over to your neighbor, and you're like, that person sitting next to me, my spouse, my child, this person I invited, because they need to get to Hope Elam, because they need Jesus. It's really for them, right? Boy, do I know somebody at home that needs to hear this message. That's not today. Today is for you. You can't give away what you don't have. You can only lead people where you're going. You only reproduce who you are. So today is an opportunity to look in the mirror, and I want to ask you, are you growing? Are you on the way? Are you following the way? Are you growing up into Christ? We start here. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 is where we're going to start. We're going to jump all over the place today. So you're going to want to have your Bibles, your Bible apps ready to go. Are you growing? Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, encouraging them and challenging them. What does it mean to be the church? Why are we gathered here? Why has God brought us together? To sing some songs? To have breakfast? That, that's all well and good, but what's the deeper point? So I'm going to kind of summarize this and mesh verses 12 and 13 together. Let's read it together. That the body of Christ may be built up. That's why we're here. Let's keep going. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what I love about Paul, is he's a straight shooter. He just comes right out and says it. What is the point of what we're doing as a church? What is the goal of our faith? What is it? To become what? To become mature. And is that just for some people? You know, not for all Christians, but just for some of those Christians that like really read the Bible every day and pray and take this seriously and share. Is it for some Christians or who's it for? All. Say all. It's for all of us. Every single one of us is called to grow up into maturity. And how do you define maturity? It's that last sentence. Attaining to the full measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, followers of the way, Jesus followers, disciples of his, are people that are increasingly thinking, feeling, acting, talking, living like Jesus. These people are called disciples. And if that's the case, if that is the biblical picture of growing up into maturity, the reason we exist as a church, then a disciple is not necessarily measured by how much scripture you have memorized, but do that. It's really important. A disciple is not primarily measured by how much information that you know, because I know a lot of people that have a, a lot of information in their head, but no love in their heart. A disciple is not primarily measured by how many Bible studies that you've attended or led or classes that you've attended or how long you've been coming to church or how young or how old you might be. All of those things are well and good, but that is not the full picture. I would propose that discipleship 
or spiritual growth is measured by three things. If you go to the next slide, I just, let's simplify it as much as we can. Number one, be with Jesus. Number two, become like Jesus. And number three, do what he did. That is a biblical picture of, like, broken down to the lowest common denominator. That is what we are after as a church. And if that is what Jesus did and what he calls us to do as a church, then what I want to propose to you is that maybe it's possible to be a full-time church attender and a part-time disciple. If, if, if we're not careful, we'll get the wrong picture. And the reason that we start here is that a lot of us have grown up with a version of Christianity that is I come to an event, to in a building for an hour a week and listen to some man or woman from the stage talk for a while, and then I go home to normal life. And that is the version of Christianity that we grew up with. Never mind that Jesus wants to invade every single area of your life and transform it. Amen? But the problem is that's not the way, that's not the hodas, that's not the pathway or the road that we were shown. So it's very important that we take God at his word. That's not the way we were shown, therefore we don't know what it could be. If we stay there, if we stay in our comfort zone, if we say, well, this is what it means to be a part of a church because this is what I grew up with, we are going to miss what it could be. I was thinking about that concept uh, a couple weeks ago. Do you remember, this is all before the, the great thaw that we've had the last couple weeks, but our family, uh, we had a lot of snow in our backyard, as many of you did, and we have a, a deck that has kind of a walkout area, and then it's a few steps down, and another deck, and then it goes down to the ground. And every year when it snows a lot, a couple years ago, uh, my kids and I started this tradition of building our own sledding ramp off of our deck. Uh, we're probably ruining the deck, but who cares? It's fun. And it's literally like 10 feet from the start to the end. It's, it's like a, a, the bunny hill of all bunny hills, right? We think it's the Olympics and we're building like this luge course or something like that. And I put my kids on these little saucers and I just push them down and they go, whoosh, whoosh, like it, it's literally like that. I mean, what you see on the, it's, it takes three seconds to go down this hill. Like, woo, this is the greatest thing ever. And they go sliding across the yard. Well, they, when they were younger, we took them sledding and it didn't go so well. And so we waited a while and we haven't gone sledding in a while. And the other week, Tiffany and I looked at each other. We were like, okay, I think it's time. We were already bundled up. It's cold. Let's go sledding. And we go to Waveland Golf Course, okay? <laughs> Which for Iowans is like the Rocky Mountains, okay? This is a big deal, okay? We live in Iowa, okay? And we get there to the top of the hill, and they're all bundled up. And they think it's going to be that on the left, and it's actually kind of like that, right? It's kind of icy and slick and everything like that. We stand at the top of the hill and my, my eight-year-old Evie goes, we're going to slide down that? And I go, yep, we're basically pushing you off to your death. But that's what parents do, I guess, at this age. So good luck. I'll never see you again. And so they go sliding down and it's just like, boom, and it takes forever. Shh. And she's sliding all over. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. She's going to hate it. She's going to want to go home. She gets to the bottom, you know, comes that close to a tree and I lean over her and I go, Honey, how was it? And she looks up at me and goes, icicles all down her face. She's like, Daddy, that was amazing, right? Where has this been all my life? I'm like, a little different than the backyard. And she goes, yeah, like this was incredible. Can you imagine them thinking their entire life that sliding down five feet of decking was sledding? 
unless we showed them a different way, they never would have known. And they would assume that's all there is. And my challenge to you is that some of us are living a backyard faith and the mountains are calling. Okay? So don't settle. Don't settle. I, I just want to challenge you. Is your version of Christianity based on your family of origin alone? I'm not saying it wasn't all bad. I'm just saying it might be incomplete. That's why some people, when they come to a church like Hope Elam, they're like, well, that worship was different. They just did four songs in that last three minutes. Yes, we did. That's not what I grew up with. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. Well, that's not the version, version of, that's not how they preached when I grew up. That's not how they, okay. There's a lot of room to roam in the body of Christ. That's, that's not my family of origin. That's not my religious tradition. That's not how I grew up. Don't settle because there is so much more with Jesus. Now I want to pause there because that's a pretty big picture of discipleship and like how do we do that? And if you go to the next slide, some people, their minds will go here. Oh, Pastor John, I get what you're saying. If I really want to have a radical faith, you know, I, man, at some point I want to stop singing songs about sharing my faith and I actually want to do it. I want to stop watching other people pray and I want to learn how to pray and pray for others myself. You can do that. The Spirit of God lives in you. I want to just stop coming to church, and I want to go be the church, as we say every single week. And you start making that list in your head, and if we're not careful, we can assume that discipleship or spiritual growth is just one step after another. I'm going to be better at reading my Bible. I'm going to be better at prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to more people. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to be more busy for Jesus. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. All of those things are good, and we want you to do those. I'm going to take this, go to join this group, and I'm going to take that class. Please don't hear me wrong. Do those things. They are steps, and there is a pathway, and you have a role to play in working out your salvation, in working out your discipleship, not to earn your salvation, but as the result of it, there is a path to take. But the last time I checked, according to God's word, there is no stairway to heaven. Great song. <laughs> Terrible theology. Because the last time I checked, we don't have to climb our way up to God because he's come down to us. Okay? And a much, <laughs> a much better picture of discipleship is this. What if the way up is actually the way down. That to follow the way, we work our way down. It's not climbing ourselves up to God because he's come down to us. It's about working your way down. Good gardeners know this. Farmers, people in agriculture know this. It's not just about what you see above the surface. It's about the root system. It's not working your way up in discipleship. It's working your way down. Paul talks about this in the book of Colossians, starting in verse 6. And he says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, that's a great start, okay? I believe in Jesus, okay? What does Paul say? You must continue to what? Follow him. It doesn't end there. We don't put up our feet and wait around for heaven someday. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. We follow him. How do we follow him? We let our roots grow what? Down, deep into him. And then what happens? 
When we put our roots down into the love and grace of Jesus and then let your lives be built on that foundation of God's love for you, not on what you can do for him, then your faith will grow. I talk to so many people. I keep coming to church. I keep showing up. And I'm trying to find God. I don't feel close to him. I'm looking for him. I'm searching for him. I'm trying to do all these things to feel close to God. And in the simplest of terms, can I just encourage you? Be still and know that he is God. Do you know under all those layers of snow that we've had this last month, do you know that incredible things are happening underneath the surface? And you might feel like you're in a frozen season right now. Could it be that God is helping you put your roots down deep into his love? Don't rush through that season. Don't spend your entire life climbing a ladder to heaven. Then you will go strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Put your roots down deep and you will grow. Yes, we have a role to play, but God is the one that does the miracle. God is going to produce that growth. And I don't know who this is for today, but these words just popped into my head, maybe because we're talking about it tonight at Overflow, right? Think less striving and more overflow. Parents, less striving, more overflow. That the most natural thing for you to do is to produce those fruits of the Spirit because your roots are down deep. The most natural thing is to grow and is to produce that kind of fruit. We plant the seeds, but God is the one that produces the harvest. Okay? Gospel of Mark talks about this If you go to the next slide, Mark chapter 4, let's read this together, verse 20. Let's read it nice and loud. Whether you're online in our online church family or here in the room. And the sea that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. It's God that does the work. God is the one that makes things grow. He does the miracle. If you wanted a a picture or, amen, if you wanted a picture or a graphic of that, at all of our campuses we have this picture. It's called kind of the discipleship circle. And again, it's not a ladder to climb. You'll notice it's a circle. It's not a stairway to heaven. It's a circle. And essentially what it is is a picture. You'll see some of those common words in it. It's a picture of what our journey as followers of the way can look like. Every single one of us at some point is a seeker. And we're looking for God. Maybe that's you this morning. Hope Elam is a safe place for skeptics. To come with your doubts. I got some real questions about life. I got some real questions about faith in Jesus. That's why we have classes like Alpha and Bible studies and groups that you can come to and explore your faith in a safe place. Every single one of us are looking for the light and at some point that light bulb goes on and we say, I want to put my faith not in myself in this life, but in Jesus and what he's done. We hear the good news right out of Mark 4 in case you thought we came up with this creatively on ourselves. It's the Bible in picture form. We hear God's word and we say, I I, I believe. Jesus, I put my faith in you, but primarily faith is in the head. And then at some point we say, I don't want to just think about. I don't want to just believe in my heart. I want to follow. I want to be a follower of the way. I want to live it out. And we become his followers. We accept it. And when we accept it and those seeds of faith go down into the soil of our heart, God produces a harvest. And what does that mean? I love this. What's at the, not the top, what's at the bottom? We become servant 
leaders. Those words, according to Jesus, are synonymous. The greatest among you will serve. Notice what happens when you grow in your faith and you become mature. You don't sit back and watch everybody else do it and say, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. The most mature people at Hope Elam give it away. Followers of the way who give it away. It's not for me. I don't exi- I'm not a part of this church so that I can live in comfortability and in my own comfort zone. We give it away. Jesus says the greatest among you will serve. And so what do we do as we grow in our faith? We continue on. We don't become seekers again. We go and we say, who, who, who needs to be shown the way? I found the way and it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to get food and I'm gonna put my arm around you and say, I'm gonna pick you up for worship. Let's go, let's go get a hot meal. Let's go, let's go to men's group. Let's go to women's group. Let's go and bring them along with you. Who needs you to put their arm, your arm around them and show them the way? We never, we never outgrow discipleship. We never arrive, we never, we never graduate. We never arrive. It doesn't make you better than anybody else as you move around that circle, but we serve. We give it away. What what do we give away? Any sense of pride or better than mindset. (laughs) Oh, that we would never think, Hope Elam, that any of us are above setting up a table, scraping gum off the floor, praying with somebody that walked in off the street, changing changing a diaper, spending time with our kids, serving food on the food line. I'm just listing things off. All these things are incredible opportunities. Whatever you think is like, well, that's for these people. I've arrived. I'm over here. Jesus says, flip that. You want to be great? Give it away. The way up is the way down. The greatest among you will serve. Amen? So we have this picture, and I've never met anybody that doesn't want to grow. They just don't know how. And a lot of people struggle, like, I can't become the man or woman that I want to be. I want to move around that circle, but I feel stuck. I know God's the one that does the work, but how do I do that? And I think the reason that a lot of us struggle with it is because we're trying to consume our way to maturity. And it's extra difficult in the world and the culture that we live in. I don't have my phone on me, but do you know that the world is literally in your pocket? You have access to all the world's information, everything, and even as Christians, blogs, articles, podcasts, more sermons than you would ever have time for in a lifetime are at your fingertips. And don't hear me wrong, that's awesome. Use it as a tool Use it as a resource. But the danger is, is if we stay there, we will assume that we can consume our way around that circle. Jesus didn't live in the information age. The ancient world, ancient Israel, was highly communal and highly relational. I don't know if the people back then would have had even a framework for somebody sitting, staring at an electronic device watching a sermon. I'm not saying it's bad. We have a couple hundred people that are worshiping online with us right now. Praise God, and we're so glad that you're here. What an incredible resource, right? But somehow we think that spiritual growth and discipleship is limited to consuming 
a message and consuming information. And the problem with consuming our way to maturity, number one, that's not how adults learn. And number two, that's not how Jesus did it. Okay? I want to show you a couple things. Go to the next slide. Okay? There have been mountains of research and entire books written about adult learning theory. Why are you talking about adult learning theory? Because that's how God created us. Okay? So it is highly spiritual. Okay? This is how God created us. 10% of how we learn is through information. What you're doing right now. You're probably going to forget 95% or more of what I talked about this morning. So... Thanks, everybody. I'm off, right? <laughs> What's going to make today stick is if you find some relationships or some mentors or some coaches to walk alongside you along the way, to talk about it, to mentor you, to coach you, to disciple you. That's 20%. Now we're getting better. 70%? Do it. Stop talking about prayer and singing about prayer. Pray for somebody. Stop reading books about sharing your faith and go tell your neighbor the good news. Stop thinking about leading and step into the divine calling that God has placed on your life and lead because we need you to lead. Amen? Go and do it. Okay? This is how we learn. And Jesus, being one of the, the smartest man to have ever lived, now watch, this is how Jesus taught his disciples. Go to the next slide. Notice anything similar? Yes, Jesus taught. Absolutely, he did it primarily three ways. First of all, information. Jesus taught a lot on the mountainside, in a boat, in the synagogue, wherever he could. Information. Primarily his teaching was about the kingdom of God, and that is very important. But Jesus knew if it was going to stick, it would have to be imitation. Everybody say imitation. 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 Jesus says, come, follow me. I'm giving you access to my life. And this is how you are going to learn. This is how it's going to stick. What did Jesus know that we often forget when it comes to discipleship? You can't be what you can't see. And a lot of us don't know what a mature Christian looks like because we've never spent time with one. We've never given anybody else access to our life so that we could imitate them and have a posture of humility and say, I don't know what I don't know. So I want to follow you as you follow Christ. And last but not least, what did Jesus do? This is mind-boggling. Jesus had three years to change the world. And I have to believe he would do the same thing if he walked in here this morning. He looks at his followers and he says, go do it. Let's stop talking about it and let's go and be the church. Let's go serve the poor. Let's go invite our friends. Let's go change the city. Let's go do it. Did they get it right all the time? Absolutely not. The disciples were a hot mess and Jesus knew that. And he knows that we are a mess too. And yet he sends us out regardless. Information, imitation, innovation. He says, follow the way and then give it away. But most of us will spend our entire adult Christian lives here. And we will miss out on so much of what Jesus has for us. And so a good question that whether you're taking notes or write it down, put it in your, your memory, a good question to ask is, what's my next step on that journey? For some of you, it is biblical literacy. It is understanding who God is. It's taking a class. It's reading the Bible. It's being, all of that getting some information about Jesus and who he is, divine information, albeit. Some of you, it's finding a mentor. It's finding a small group. It's imitating others that are imperfectly following Christ. And for some of you, we're called to do it. We're called to step into it and lead. And for some of you, if you're ready to do that, help, let us help you. 
Let us help you make those connections. If you're looking for somebody to mentor, if you're looking for somebody to mentor you, if you're looking for a small group, whatever it is, we want to help you take those next steps. But I just want to say this before we move on from this. This is a process. And in our fast-paced culture of immediacy, a lot of us don't want to go through that. A lot of us are looking for a platform, and God says, I want to take you through a process. About... (laughs) How long is that going to take? I got about 30 minutes, Jesus. How about your next decade? And instead of climbing the ladder at work and building an online platform, what if you spent the next decade putting your roots deep down in the identity of who God says you are? What, What if that's how you spent your 30s? Your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. Follow the way and then give it away. Is it, is it any wonder the Greek word for disciple is mathetes or methetes, depending on how you read it, literally means apprentice. And there are certain trades that it is absolutely essential that you have to not just read textbooks, but you actually have to do a what? Apprenticeship. Why would that be? Because there's certain things that you can only learn by doing it. And the same is true with your faith. Several years ago, I was walking with about five or six young men in discipleship, mentoring them to the best of my ability, although imperfectly, and we were getting ready to go somewhere. And uh, this moment was a big shift for me in the way that I think about spiritual growth because it was in my kitchen. <laughs> and these guys are, were meeting at my house, and they're coming, and so they're kind of coming one or two at a time, and I'm talking to my wife in the kitchen, and while these guys are coming over, that like they're looking up to me not only as their mentor but as their pastor, Tiffany and I get into um, a pretty heated argument. About once every 10 years, we get into argument. And so <laughs> this was that moment, way more than that. And, and we're, we're <laughs> getting kind of heated, and I'm like, honey, this is really awkward. Maybe we should, if the guys are showing up, like it could not be the worst time. And a couple of the guys are like, Pastor John, do we need to just wait in the car? Every ounce of me wanted to let my flesh win. And then I just was reminded, okay, I'm kind of supposed to be setting an example for these guys. Like I'm a pastor after all, but more importantly than that, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that is actually a picture, no, it's not, but that is how I felt of like, fine, Holy Spirit. And I looked at these six guys standing in my messy kitchen with my wife that I've treated like a jerk, and I look at these guys as they're walking out the door, so we're probably going to go read the Bible about forgiveness or something. And I said, stop! Come back in here. And I went over to Tiffany, and I gently grabbed her by the shoulders, and I looked her in the eyes, and these guys are like, this is awkward. (laughs) This dude's my pastor. And I looked Tiffany in the eyes, and I said, I'm sorry. That was rude. And I let my anger get the best of me. I didn't do what we talked about with our counselor, and I didn't take those steps. 
and I'm working on that. And thank you for your grace and your patience. Will you forgive me? And she said, no, no, she didn't. <laughs> she did, and we hugged, and we left it at that. And the guys are like, what just happened? And we didn't talk about it our entire Bible study until the, a couple months later. I just kind of forgotten about it, and we were doing a review of an entire year spent with these five or six guys in a discipleship relationship. And I said, what was one of the most impactful things that you learned this year? And they're like, remember that awkward moment in your kitchen? <laughs> And a couple of the guys said, you know, you want to know why that was so impactful? You didn't do it perfectly. I would have done it a little different. But they said, I never saw my dad do anything remotely like that with my mom. You can't be what you can't see. And it's, amen? And it's... It's, I don't want you to hear me wrong. It's not about me, but here's the thing. If we're going to be a church of disciples who make disciples, it's going to happen just as much, if not more, outside the walls as it does inside the walls. It's going to happen in kitchens and living rooms as much as it does this room. It's going to happen just as much behind the scenes as it does on the stage. And can I say about passing on faith to the next generation that younger generations these days are particularly looking at us and they say, I know that all of you talk about it on Sundays, but is it real for you on Tuesdays? I know you can preach a sermon about forgiveness and conflict resolution, but do you actually do it? Passing on the faith to the next generation happens in all of life. Promised you we get to Deuteronomy. Let's go to Deuteronomy. This is our verse for today. This is God speaking through Moses to the people, teaching one generation how to pass on the faith to the next generation. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them around your hands. Wear them on your forehead. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed. And when, You know what I don't see in here? Drop them off at church and hope for the best. But in our Americanized Western culture idea of mindset that is not highly communal and relational, that's our idea because discipleship is not always efficient. It's messy, and we want everything to go efficiently in our lives, and it's just not like that. What if that wasn't just for parents with young kids? What if that was a blueprint for discipleship at any age? And so this is where I want to end. I'm going to steal a note out of Minister Bonnie's book from last weekend and give you some ABCs of passing on the faith. Easy as ABC, one, two, three. How do we pass on the faith? Three things I want to send you home with. Very, very practical. A is availability. They can't be what they can't see. I, this goes for two-year-olds, 20-year-olds, or 70-year-olds. Spiritual maturity is not necessarily about physical age because I've seen 20-year-olds disciple 60-year-olds. And of course, vice versa. It's about what's in here. Availability means time. And a lot of you are saying, that's the issue, Pastor John. I don't have time. So here's my challenge to you based on Deuteronomy chapter 11. Do it along the way. I don't have time to disciple my kids. Do it in the car, at the game, at, on the bleachers, at the dinner table. <laughs> And yet I have so many parents, people, I'm not a perfect Christian. I can't pass on the faith to my kids. What do you think that your kids are going to grow up to be? Imperfect Christians. So what a great opportunity for you to give them a glimpse of what they're going to be someday. An imperfect follower of 
the way. Kids are asking, is, is, is faith a Sunday thing where I get dropped off so that somebody else can teach me and then we're going to go back to my normal life? Or is this who we are? Parents, grandparents, those that are mentoring and discipling and coaching others. Availability, not perfection. Availability, not perfection. That's the A. Number two, beliefs. Everybody say beliefs. Before we get there, one more thing about availability. Can I just flip, this is just off script for a minute. Can I just flip that on its head? That was from the perspective of a discipler. This isn't just for young kids or for anybody that wants to grow. Could it be one of the reasons that you're not growing is because nobody has access to your life? And that it's really, really easy to put on a good front on Sunday morning at church and not allow anybody to know you or challenge you. That's where the good stuff is. That's where the good stuff is. Availability. Number two, beliefs. Believe it or not, we are all being spiritually formed by something. Could be Instagram, could be YouTube, could be cable news, could be Jesus. But we're all being formed by something. And the question is, what is the dominant voice in your life? What is the dominant voice in your children's life? Beliefs. And I, <laughs> I hear a lot of parents these days in, in this culture that we live in, I just really don't want to be pushy. I want to I give my children lots of space to grow and develop and, and be open-minded and make up their own mind and, and all of that. And here's what I would just say to that in all loving kindness be supportive, but stand for something. Stand for something. Do you have a personal conviction about who Jesus is, and are you teaching them? And I've never met a parent, a grandparent, an adult that doesn't want to give their kids the very best. If you want to give them the very best, teach them how to ride a bike, drive them to all the sporting events in the world, and teach them algebra. Absolutely. Do those things. But do not withhold from them the greatest gift that you could ever give them, and that is you living a personal relationship with Jesus and showing them the way. Amen? Don't hold that back. Beliefs. Don't, don't withhold that. Give them, give them a foundation to build their entire life on. A, B, and finally C, consistency. If we are going to reach next generations, we need adults that are willing to show up outside and inside these walls. We have incredible children and student volunteers that show up for our children and students every single week. They're doing it right now. You want to know what the fastest growing Bible study is at this church? It's happening right now. Third, fourth, and fifth graders. They bring their Bible to church every week. It's highlighted. It's underlined. They're retaining it because they're hungry for God's word. Because they don't, they haven't believed the lie that they've graduated from it. I don't need my Bible to go to church. Well, then what are we doing? But they have adults that are showing up every single week. I'll never forget, if you've ever been on the fence about like, yeah, I don't really do kids. Well, that's a problem because they were Jesus' favorite. If you've ever been on the fence about serving in that way, I'll never forget last year at VBS, we have like lights and smoke and songs and skits and snacks and everything, games, everything a kid could ever want, right? And we were asking kids at the end of the week, like, what was your favorite part? I'll never forget 
this eight-year-old boy. What was your favorite part? We had like a whole bunch of women volunteers. Love you, ladies. Thank you for that. And like three dudes. Thank you, guys. And one of those dudes was this eight-year-old boy's leader. And you know what he said? My favorite part of the whole week of VBS? Hanging out with my leader. Who is far from perfect. Just like all of us. That is available every single week. Our children's ministry has tripled in size. Our volunteer base has stayed the same. And if we're going to be a church that unapologetically competes for the hearts of the next generation, we can't do it sitting down. It's time to step into it. It's time to follow the way and give it away. Amen? Pray about that. And the church is just one piece. We have incredible ministries here, but this, we just get to see your kids for a couple hours each week. They're living life with you. Next generations need organizations and camps and, and, and different nonprofits, including many of those that are out in the lobby right now, ready and waiting to talk to you. They do incredible uh, work and they continue to show up for our youth. If we're going to be a church that reaches the next generation, God is looking for people who are willing to follow the way and give it away, who are willing to be a blessing to the next generation. So in a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. And as we do, the worship team is going to come up and they're going to lead us in this song that we've done dozens of times. Some of you probably have it memorized. It's called The Blessing. And if you haven't thought about it, it's about passing faith from one generation to the next. And I just want to challenge you with something. I don't want to sing it yet. I don't want to sing it. I want to do it. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations. You know how that cycle starts? With one person making a decision to follow the way and then give it away. Imperfectly. What if God is challenging you today to be an answer to your own prayer? You want to be a blessing to a thousand generations? It starts with you looking in the mirror and saying, I'm ready to step out in faith, to follow the way and give it away. God is calling all of us to be that blessing. Follow the way, Hope Elam. Let's be a church that gives it away. Amen? Amen. Wherever you're at, let's stand together and prepare our hearts for communion. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.